Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, may I welcome you to our fine show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, Nine volumes available for your pleasure at Amazon in ebook, Kindle, and paperback format, and volumes one through eight. If you're an audio buff, at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please partake of a couple or two or three of them. And may I introduce you to my brother and co-host. KJG and Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, I just told you that I don't know when uh, people hear this podcast will be this weekend, right? Coming up. Our, our body, our buddy, our body, our buddy Aaron Judge on the New York Yankees just hit number 57. Nice on his way to break Roger Maris's record. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he'll do that in a legitimate way as opposed to our steroidal buddies. <laughs> uh, that'll be nice, you know. Yeah, no, he's doing a great job. And, and also, even when he's not hitting homers, he's been getting a lot of base hits lately. Yeah, well, in a year where it seems like uh, two and a quarter is a high batting average, you know, he's he's hanging in there over 300, you know. Exactly. exactly. So he's doing a yeoman share of the work for sure, you know. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Awesome and, work. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good stuff. So, uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to mention to our listeners, now, folks, you know what just happened with me and my wife passing and uh, kind of reorganizing life and uh, duties and how and when things get done, and uh, Kev's coming into a busy segment of the year here, so we'll probably be hard-pressed, Kev, don't you think so, to put together a podcast a week for the next... Uh... Yeah, we're going <clears> to <throat> we're gonna do our best, but mm-hmm. we just ask for a little bit of extra time from the listeners if we're not able to pull it off, but we'll do our best, but it's a crazy time of the year, and as Bill mentioned, he's Figuring out what the new formula is, which is very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. And, you know, at some point, I got to put some time aside, too, to get uh, Volume 9 in audiobook. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to start attacking that, but that takes, you know, a good four nights in the studio. Uh, yeah. And, 
But we're not quitting, right? We're just uh, we're trying to get this thing done. Yeah, no, I just uh, I want people to know because a lot of people call in. Hey, what happened? No podcast, this and that. And folks, you know, we <laughs> like doing this. But when the duties of life call, uh, that's top priority, right? <laughs> yeah, and we really haven't taken any time off either. You know, a lot of the a lot of the big podcasts take a month off a year and stuff, and we haven't done that. So maybe we should, but we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, bro, what do you got tonight? Now, cryptids in the news and other oddities. Segment. Well, we're going to go to the skies. But before that, I am going to tell you that I was down... This past weekend, racing my sailboat on Lake Lanier mm-hmm. in Georgia. And if you remember Lake Lanier, it's one of the most haunted lakes in the U.S. Mm. Because this is the one that they, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers built over a town. And some contractor, not the Army Corps, but some subcontractor, was supposed to go and uh, move all the bodies in these cemeteries and the rumor is that they didn't move the bodies, and therefore mm. the lake is more haunted than the typical lake. Yeah, your typical lake is mildly haunted. Exactly. Uh, this is severely this. haunted. It has, if you recall, we, we did an episode on the woman in the blue dress yeah. who comes wading out of the lake. So we uh. were down there Friday night, which was kind of stormy. Saturday night, which was gloomy. Sunday morning, that was extra foggy and extra creepy. Uh. And we were looking for the lady in the blue dress, and thankfully... We did not see her. Yeah. You didn't see any arms or heads bobbing around in the water, nothing like that. And the water was really clear. It's like the clearest uh, I've seen a lake in a long time. So that was extra creepy, by the way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't want the lake to be that clear. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Better I can't see. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I wonder, it would be a nice survey... Uh, I don't know how you could pull it off, but I'd like to survey the bass tour fishermen and uh, see what they have to say about unusual sightings, whether it be Bigfoot on the shoreline, uh, the blue lady, you know. I wonder what kind of stories they've got to kick around because they're out there a lot, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was asking my fishing guides up in Alaska if they saw anything or heard of anything. Not so much the lady in the blue dress, but Bigfoot. Right, right. And uh, none of them bit on me asking them. I wonder if they just were keeping it under their hat. I mean, they're only hanging out with you for a day, right? And they're never going to see you again. So I don't think they feel a need to share everything with you. Yeah, yeah, you're a stranger in a foreign land, you know. So no sightings of the woman in the blue dress, thank God. Uh, Um, But what we're going to talk about this week in Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities is a video clip on YouTube that's gotten a lot of hits uh, from a couple of years ago where someone saw a pterosaur flying over Boise, Idaho. So this is one of those winged dinosaur looking creatures you've you probably i know you've seen the video bill yeah um a lot of folks out there listening have probably seen the video so this thing again from a couple of years ago it's a daytime video clear as can be basically someone's videotaping it uh flying across the screen from right to left 
with some trees below it, kind of gray sky, again, crystal clear, Mm -hmm. and definitely not a bird, definitely looks like a pterosaur, you know, complete with the beak-like head and, like, the hooks about halfway out each wing on the leading edge of the wings. And speaking of the wings, they are flapping away like a pterosaur's wings would flap. Yeah, something with very large wingspan. Yeah, definitely not a bird, not a big crane or anything like that. Yeah, it's obvious what this thing is uh, uh, vis-a-vis if it is legitimate. Now, we have, a, legitimate. Yeah. we have a friend at a podcast. I'll give a shout-out to my buddy Jerry. Uh, uh, Jerry, uh, at one point in his life, was a pilot for a commercial airline. And uh, has friends in the industry. Uh, Jerry has said uh, to me personally that he's had conversations with a number of pilots uh, in the region of the Pacific Northwest, you know, including, you know, uh, Alaska and uh, parts south and east that these people also say they've seen these things and like, you know, nonchalantly, yeah, they're out there. We've seen them. Hmm. So I don't know what that's all about. Uh, You know, I've never interviewed anybody personally, but I will throw back to Rick in Alberta who uh, told tale of finding that deer with no snow on it laying in fresh fallen snow with nothing having come into the scene or gone out of it and strange like claw-like footprints in the snow and i wondered geez yeah what the heck could have it had to come from the sky either kill or have its fill of something that had freshly died and then gone back into the sky well and that's part of that legend is what the uh, native americans especially out in the western u.s call the thunderbird yeah which are these giant winged creatures you know, no one knows if they're mythical, like a unicorn, or if they really exist. Right. And that's what the legend's about. But let's go back to this pterosaur. So let's yeah, talk yeah. about what a pterosaur is, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize until I started looking into it. They're actually not dinosaurs. But, you know, you and I, Bill, we grew up associating a pterosaur as a type of dinosaur. Right, uh, right. A flying dinosaur. And they're also not birds, but it turns out they're a type of extinct flying reptile, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool, you know, mm-hmm. or believed to be extinct. Right, now, right. And what I did when I was looking at this video, I went out and I looked at a lot of folks that have analyzed it. And I'll give a shout out to Bill's channel, not my brother Bill's channel, but it's called Bill's channel on YouTube. And some of you out there may know Bill, um, but he had a video expert analyze the video and in fact, this video expert recreated a version of it. So he believes that it is a fake. And what he did, it's pretty cool. He's got it on YouTube. He showed how to recreate it, where he basically filmed uh, the sky and the trees panning, you know, right to left like you would. And then he went online and uh, found a CGI uh, pterosaur and had it flapping its wings and things like that created that 
creature and then overlaid it onto the pre-existing video. Hmm. And so he didn't recreate the same video, but he showed how you could pretty easily create a version that looked very similar. Now, very importantly, he didn't prove that it was fake. He just proved that he could recreate something similar to that video. Uh, so the the fellow that examined, uh, I uh, what I guess what I'm trying to get at is I've seen professionals take apart UFO footage. They could see uh, with a variety of different software packages kind of blemishes, overlays. They could find seams in whatever was completed. It's never completely brushed away. Right. Just like just like counterfeit money is never flawless. Right. But you really got to be good at it to find the flaws. Yes. And so uh, did he really nail this thing apart? He didn't. Okay. So he didn't do that kind of analysis. He looked at it. He said, man, this thing looks real. Mm -hmm. You know, like it didn't have, it had really sharp edges on it and stuff when you zoomed in. Yeah. But then he showed how... Like, you could basically take this uh, modeling, three-dimensional modeling of this mm -hmm. pterosaur with the wings flapping, create a surface on it, you know, mm -hmm. basically skin it with a colored surface, mm -hmm. and then overlay it to the video that you previously shot. Mm -hmm. And it looked pretty darn similar when he did that. Right. And all of this takes nothing away from... Uh, like Jerry's testimonial that uh, men of good intent, pilots uh, in the Pacific Northwest have you know, reported and stood by their sightings of such things. So you're kind of in this area of like he said, she said. Sure. And yet we know that there's all kinds of CGI capability. I mean, just go to the movies, which I don't, but I see the clips. I mean, they could just make you think you're falling out of an airplane from 30,000 feet uh, sitting in the movie theater, you know, and it sure as heck looks real to me, you know. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, Now, what's interesting, when I was looking into this, I came across a story that happened a long time ago. So this story and video was recorded a couple of years ago, and then I recalled that there was a sighting uh, or a report of a pterosaur, or what they used to call a thunderbird, mm -hmm. all the way back in the 1890s. And Bill, yeah. I don't know if you saw this one in April 26, 1890, mm -hmm. where there was a legend of a bunch of cowboys seeing one of these things flying around uh, in Tombstone, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've seen that. Yeah. And there was a story about it in the newspaper, which was called the Tombstone Epitaph, mm -hmm. again, back in the end of April, 1890. Mm -hmm. And that was nine years after the shootout at the OK Corral in Tombstone. So, Wow. And, you know, yeah. what, what exactly uh, did you uh, get any data from that? What did they say about that? Well, there's a picture that you'll often see on the Internet um, that's associated with this uh, killing of a pterosaur. But mm -hmm. it turns out that this picture has been proven to not be from the tombstone epitaph. Like if you're 
casually read about it, they'll say, like, this is the picture from the tombstone epitaph. But I actually found the article, the original print, you know, online mm-hmm. of the article in the tombstone epitaph. And apparently at that point in time, they report that they didn't put any pictures in the newspaper, kind of like yeah. they didn't have the capability yeah. back then. Um, so this picture has never been found, although, mm-hmm. again, if you Google it, you'll see yeah. a bunch of cowboys standing up against a barn with this, uh, what looks like a pterosaur in front of them, kind of stretched out, a dead pterosaur. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting, um, and, you know, there's all different kinds of reports on it. One, that it really happened, this thing was flying around, mm-hmm. it looked like it was sick, and then, uh, you know, like it would land, and these two uh, cowboys saw it, and then it would take off and fly a short way, kind of like it was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then finally they shot it, and uh, it was indeed dead. And then they took pictures of it, but the pictures have never turned up, the real mm-hmm. pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And then there's a, a whole thread related to this. Again, I'm not saying it's truth or, truth or uh, fall, something false, but that this was written up to promote kind of interest and tourism in Tombstone because at this point in time, nine years after the shootout in the OK Corral, there was no more gold being found and really not a lot going on in Tombstone. So, you know, some folks speculate that this article was written in a newspaper just to generate interest in coming to Tombstone. Yeah, generate some tourist business. It's amazing that if yeah. that's true, yeah. that that happened all the way back in 1890, right? Yeah, well, money is always the draw, right? How do we get sure. more money into town, or do we just close the place up? Sure. You know, so one of these. Net, 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 I'm a little disappointed because I saw the video. Of course, I thought, like, uh, I don't I don't know if there's dinosaurs still alive, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the video looked pretty darn good. You know? Right. And remember, like you said, it's really not a dinosaur. It's a type of reptile. Exactly. Flying reptile. So, so we've got, you know, large iguanas and all all, all kinds of stuff, you know. Right. Uh, the dragons and... Uh, yeah, Komodo dragons. Komodo and dragons like and all kinds of... You know, who knows really what's out there. But uh, what did they say about the picture with the cowboys? Did anybody investigate that as true or, true or hoax? Well, it's just that picture that you see on the internet right. is supposed to be the picture from that from that newspaper article, right. but that's not true. Right. So that cast so dispersion. They cast dispersion on the picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's a shame because we have a lot of these uh types of things floating around the internet now, you know, and the water is continually muddied with fact versus fiction, you know. Oh, so, like I've said before on this podcast, that's the most frustrating thing, I think, with Bigfoot more than like UFOs and stuff like that, is you know that there are some hoax hoaxers out there. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, that are running around with big shoes on and stuff like that. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yep, yep, yep. Now I think there's less and less of them running around because they're gonna get shot. Yeah. Um, by somebody with a gun who thinks like, hey, I'm going to bag me a Bigfoot. And instead they end up tragically, accidentally shooting a human that's running around in a furry suit. 
Yeah, well, I I tell you what, man. Unless that Bigfoot is standing still, some of the shots I've seen of Bigfoot running, you'd have to be a damn good trapper skeet shooter to take one of them down on the run because, man, those things can boogie. Yeah, they're moving. Uh, and fast. Yeah. But hopefully the hoaxers out there are, have given up running around in furry suits. So, uh, yeah. Um, you know, but again, it's interesting. I always fall back, as you know, Bill, to the old stories prior to the internet because there was nothing to really gain. But here in this case, we show that maybe there is something to gain, you know, by this tombstone newspaper in that they want to drum up some tourism. But that's the first time, I think, in all of the old articles that I've covered about all different cryptids where it was like oh, clearly, oh, clearly, potentially. Uh, used to drum up tourism and business for the town. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I mean, look, stay tuned. I'm going to keep looking and see what else comes up on this. Yeah, and these types of things aren't new, right, Kev? Like these old road shows. Uh, you remember we did that uh, one on, uh, what was it, the Iceman? Oh, uh, yeah, that was super cool. Yeah, and they were charging a lot of money to travel around with that uh, exhibit. Yeah, remember one of our listeners wrote in and said that they waited in line to see it in Sears Roebuck in uh, Alabama. <laughs> the Iceman. Yeah, it's amazing, you know. So, uh, but listen, stay tuned, folks, because you know if it's out there, uh, Kev is plugging away to, uh, within reason, dig up whatever data is available to just give a uh, a fair exegesis of, you know, what's going on with any particular thing that uh, is in our sights. Yeah, so and that, I would say, you know, in fairness, half of the stuff that I start to investigate is fake mm-hmm. or, or proven to be fake, and I never report on it. But this mm-hmm. was pretty interesting, and we had a lot of interest from our listeners in these right. videos of the pterosaurs. And when I looked at them, I mean, don't get me wrong, Bill, as you know, a lot of the videos I see, they're super fake. Like, I don't need an expert to tell me. Yeah. Um, this was not, though. Like, I was yeah. like, this looks pretty cool. Yeah. And so we're left with it's inconclusive, this video anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, again, folks, if you've got anything to add to this, or you've had any sightings, or you know something else that we don't know, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact button and uh, chime in with us. We're here to listen. 100%. And it's also true what Kevin says. He investigates a lot of stuff that he deems to be fake. And you don't ever hear about it from us. It's only the things that are of interest or uh, remain in that gray area. Uh, that you bring to the table, and uh, I appreciate that, you know. So, I've got something really cool here. That was really good, Kev. Uh, I've got a cool sighting here. Uh, This following uh, encounter was told to me by a fellow named Terry Bennett, a resident of the good old state of Washington. And this is what Terry and his fly fishing partner saw while fishing the banks of the Elk River. It was in the latter part of the summer of 2005, not that long ago, folks, that my friend Larry and I had traveled up to the town of Elkford in British Columbia 
to take in a week of fly fishing on the Elk River. Now, this river flows through the Kootenay region of British Columbia, where we heard the Kootenay before. And a it was a hotbed on, of hairy man sightings. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it was on our second day that we had sighted what we knew to be a Sasquatch. So he comes right out of the gate. Two days fly fishing, we saw what we knew was a Sasquatch. Let's go on. On that day, we had hiked into the scrub that flanked both sides of the river in this area. Our view in the morning consisted of the mountains as a backdrop, which were being bathed in the morning sunlight, and below them in our foreground were patches of small pines and this scrub I spoke of, all of which were blanketed by what I will call ground fog, which was gradually dissipating as we fished. The river itself faded away to our north, where it rounded a bend, all of which at the time was concealed by this thin layer of ground fog. Larry was about 30 or 40 yards to my north, mending his line over a ripple, while I had stopped to change my tippet. I was standing there taking in the magnificent spectacle of these glowing mountains when my eyes caught what appeared to be a man moving through the fog at about a hundred yards or so to my north on the other side of the river. I must admit to you that when I first set eyes on him, I didn't think it was a man, even though I just said that I saw a man. This is how strange it is when you set eyes on one of these creatures. The mind doesn't want to accept what it is that you are looking at, and it just doesn't register in the moment. I don't know if that makes any sense to all of you at all, but I'm trying my best to describe to you how I felt both during the initial stages of the sighting and then afterward. I didn't say anything to Larry initially, and I must tell you that this layer of fog was moving, slowly wafting over the river and through the trees and scrub. What I had seen for a brief moment was now completely concealed by the mist, and so I stood there watching and waiting. At this point, I had completely stopped working on my line and began to slowly walk towards Larry, saying nothing and keeping my eyes fixed on the opposite bank. I was ever so slowly advancing towards Larry's position when I yet again saw a flash of reddish-brown fur in the midst, which was once again obscured as fast as I had seen it by the fog. At the time, of course, I had no idea I was really looking at a Sasquatch, for as of yet I hadn't seen it fully, but the color of its fur stood out like a sore thumb against the surrounding scrub and low-growth bushes, which were predominantly sandy-colored and gray. I was now standing at Larry's side, pointing across the bank, telling him what I was seeing. He said that there were more than likely berries in the bushes and that I was seeing a bear foraging. 
of course, he hadn't as of yet seen what I did. And even though I hadn't seen it fully as of yet, it was a bear. It was standing on its hind legs. Now the two of us were watching for about five minutes. And Larry, who wasn't half as interested as I was, began to fish again. He said to me, forget about the bear, man. We came here to fish. He's not going to bother us. He's across the river. But I just stood there and waited. Over the next 15 minutes or so, the mist was all but gone. And there was nothing in the distance to see except for the trees, bushes, and the mountain range. So I began again to retie my tippet. I had all but forgotten about it when Larry got a strike and I picked up my head, turning to my right as I did so, and there on the other bank coming out of the trees was a huge Sasquatch walking in the sunlight through the scrub. I whistled to get Larry's attention, and when I did, Larry looked at me, and so did the Sasquatch that was a couple of hundred yards away. While still keeping my eyes on the creature, I pointed for Larry to look, and the Sasquatch didn't so much as miss a step, still walking through the scrub. This scrubby embankment was basically a mirror image of our side of the river. And for the most part, what was around or near to us was about four feet tall at its highest growth point. Using that as a base point for measuring... This Sasquatch, to me, seemed to be almost five feet taller than the tallest scrub it was walking through. It lumbered along, continuing to walk through the scrub, where it eventually ducked into the trees and was gone from sight. We stood there watching and waiting for the better part of an hour, hoping to see it again, but it never happened. When the creature was walking... It had turned to look in our direction numerous times, but didn't seem to be phased at all by our being there, not moving any faster or any slower because of us. It walked at what seemed to be a very leisurely and robotic pace, which with each swing of its arms matched by the movement of a leg, very machine-like to the eyes. Even at that distance, the thickness of its upper body was enormous. Its head seeming to be tucked into its shoulders and chest. And when it turned to look at us, the entire torso moved as one piece. At one point in the sunlight, it seemed as though the head was bald and that there was long hair hanging from the sides and back with the exposed top looking somewhat conical in shape. Perhaps it was eating berries when I first saw it. However, because of the mist, I wasn't able to see it doing so. I can now say, however, from experience, that nothing can prepare an individual for an encounter with one of these creatures. If it wasn't for the river separating us, I would not have hung around to watch for fear of my very life. In your mind's eye, picture a large bull moose standing on its hind legs. 
that is what I was looking at. So what do you think of that, Kev? Elk River fly fisherman, Sasquatch on the banks in the fog? Pretty wild yet again. We got some fly fishermen that are out there all the time in the wild, and they see the hairy man. And, of course, it's in British Columbia, right? Beautiful British Columbia, like the license plate says. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, people that are out there doing something, it's not like there's a crowd over there. You know, these guys probably hiked into some desolate spot, and they're in pristine conditions. Yeah, very rural place, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what can you say? I like his description, too, when he said that if it wasn't for the river separating them, he wouldn't have been hanging around. Exactly. You know, and then he gives that description out of his mind of a, a bull moose standing on his hind legs. I mean... I've seen horses rear up in front of me, you know, and they're like, whoa, you know. But a bull moose on oh. its hind legs, he said, that's the type of mass that no, I was No, and I've seen at. bull moose in the wild, and I can't imagine one standing up on its hind legs. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a monster. Crazy. So, uh, I don't know. You know, it's uh, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, these stories are in the ears of the listeners, and, uh, you know, if you believe them, there's something out there that people are encountering, and it's called Sasquatch, you know? (laughs) No, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, I'm going out there, too, by the way, Bill, out to British Columbia in October. Mm -hmm. So watch out, Bigfoot. I'm looking for you. Actually, I'll watch out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably a better idea. Better idea. Yeah, you know. It's funny, Kev, too. I'll just tell you something funny. I was talking to our buddy, the lobster man, up in Maine the other day. Oh, yeah, the one I was supposed to go and see, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I told him that, you know, uh, uh, it's actually the second time we talked about it, but I told him how fantastic he thought that Bigfoot Museum oh, was man. out there. Cryptid he, Museum, yeah. Yeah. That was and, uh, amazing. And he was the guy that turned you on to it. Yeah, absolutely. He gave me all the directions, told me, don't <laughs> miss it. You know, and, you know, yeah. when you're on your ho- way home from northern Maine, it's easy to say, like, ah, I'm going to skip it. I got to get home. But, yeah, I found a place and that place was fantastic. Yeah. I remember you telling me that you could get lost in there for the whole day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like you were going into some little sideshow shack. No, no. You know, and I, I actually you know. uh, reported on a few cryptids that I only learned about in that museum. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of them before and read the stories, and I was like, "Well, that's pretty cool." Yeah, yeah. And uh, we started our conversation started to turn into white sharks. Oh. And uh, he's got them cruising around his, right off of his island over there. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of, and, lot of seals up there, and uh, yeah. the Great Whites like the little seals. Yeah, and he also said he was watching one ripping into a, uh, not a dolphin, I think he said a porpoise. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> 
and his brother does some diving around there for like moorings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. By the way, yeah. did you ever see the video? I saw it recently because um, I guess apparently the great white shark population, you know, used to be just exploding in South Africa, right off of Cape Town. And yeah. now there's less and less. Did you see that video from above, from a drone or whatever, of the uh, orca whales attacking the great whites? Yeah, well, they had that pair of whales they called port and starboard. Mm. And both of their dorsal fins, one laid down to the left, one laid down to the right. And I've never seen an orca that didn't have an erect dorsal fin. But this pair had come into their area, both of them having these kind of collapsed dorsal fins. They were working as a team and just like on a mission to eradicate the white sharks. Yeah, but you saw that video where they like bite this huge great whites in the side and like kill them immediately. Yeah, they go for the liver. Exactly, exactly. They bite them right, right in the vital organs. And you see this big cloud of blood, and this huge shark is just limp. Yeah, dead. Yeah, with the orca having it in its mouth. Just crazy. Now, uh, if you caught Shark Week this year, uh, last month, uh, the team has been watching that area, those people that live down there. And the white shark population was, like, severely depleted. They were wondering if they were even going to come back. Right. And uh, there have been some sightings as of the making of Shark Week now, and they're just hoping and praying that Port and Starboard get lost, you know? <laughs> they're trying to lure some more tourists down there to go swimming so that the sharks yeah. have something to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're hoping the tourists come back. <laughs> go swimming around six or seven at night, you know. <laughs> Well, so, brother, what do we have in our uh, listener mail today? Oh, we got some good stuff, Bill. Uh, Our first uh, email that I'm going to cover comes in from our field correspondent, Rick, in Ohio. We love Rick. I love Rick. Yeah. Yep. And he wrote in uh, in response to one of my articles or one of my uh, podcast sections about vampires. And if you recall, I was talking about the vampires being buried with bricks in their mouth to keep them from coming back and biting anyone. And Rick came across this article in Poland of these vampires being buried with basically a sickle around their neck, kind of hammered into the ground to keep them from rising up from the dead. Wow. He's got some pretty cool imagery of a Uh female vampire pinned to the ground with a sickle across her throat. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah, and Rick says, I think you covered something similar with a grave in Colorado, correct? Yeah. And I did. And in Colorado, though, it's a little more wild. And I actually went over to the cemetery outside of Denver where um, it's believed that someone hammered a wooden stake through a vampire's heart, and then the stake actually grew into a tree coming out of the center of this grave. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, and I saw this grave, and there's indeed a tree coming out of the center of the grave. Boy, oh boy. Lovely. Uh, some of this stuff, yeah, uh, really creepy stuff, yeah. man. <laughs> Sickle driven in around the neck. Yeah, but good stuff, Rick. Keep it. Keep yeah. these stories coming. I hadn't seen that article, <laughs> and the imagery is just like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. And definitely legit. I mean, that oh, looks yeah. legit. No, no. You could, they, yeah. they have photos of the archaeologists uncovering it carefully, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows what lies ahead. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or behind us. Exactly. <laughs> Wow, and our, crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, and our next uh, letter comes in from Greg. And uh, Greg writes, Hello, gentlemen. You're both probably turning your heads looking around like the Three Stooges. Who, us? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Greg says, I'd like to ask a non-Bigfoot question. Mm. Not to upset any listeners, just curious what some of your favorite music bands and performers are. Can't go mm. wrong with Bigfoot and a little bit of rock and roll. Wow. <laughs> and he yeah. says, of course, yeah. I'd like to send my condolences to you, WJ. My heart goes out to you, my brother. May God be with you, WJ, KJ, your family's friends, and all the listeners, Greg. Wow, thanks a lot, Greg. Muchas gracias, senor. And uh, so what do you say about that favorite uh, You know, I'm a a big Led Zeppelin fan. Mm -hmm. I wish I was around to go see them live. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I got their whole library now digitally, and uh, it just blows me away. You know, even the stuff from uh, Led Zeppelin 1 from 1969, Mm-hmm. When they dropped the needle on that album, you know, back in the day, and you're like, man, that album could be released today, and it would be mm-hmm. it. So, well, uh, when you talk of uh, Led Zeppelin, what are like some of your favorite songs that they ever did? Oh, I mean, I like the whole Zoso album, you know, with uh, Black Dog and When the Levee Breaks, and uh, you know. A whole, a whole. Yeah. but I like yeah. it all. I really do like it all. You know, they they're a little bit like the more modern day. Like I like U two, also, and like U two kind of reinvented itself a little bit with every album. You know, had a little bit of a different sound, mm-hmm. a different feel, and uh, Zeppelin's the same way. But I just think they were so far ahead of their time. Yeah, you know, and me personally, I went through a real transition of a lot of different groups. I mean, uh, in a a different way. I mean, obviously, it's a different kind of music. I really like uh, Steely Dan. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. But a totally different type of genre, you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, uh, there was a time, Beatles, uh, Jethro Tull. Yeah. uh, David Bowie. Sure. uh, You know, we had a feast of a lot of stuff going on, uh, going through a period of about, let's just say, 15, 20 years. Uh, that was just uh, crazy. The well, amount we've never of- had anything like it since, really. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying there aren't some talented bands, but back then, man, holy cow, like everything was great. 
Right. We had all the rock and roll, and then we had all the stuff coming out of Motown. Yep. And uh, there was just so much uh, going on, and I just like, wow, man, you know. And then all the Southern rock came out: Marshall Tucker, Leonard Skinnerd, Charlie Daniels, oh, yeah. you know. And all of that stuff was great, you know. And it was just like, wow, man, you know. Yes. You could listen to the radio uh, and just have a cornucopia of, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff to go through your ears, you know. Yeah, all the southern blues stuff, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, all that stuff. And then I go, I go all the way back. I love Johnny Cash. You know, yeah, that was, was good stuff. I too. was listening to Johnny Cash last weekend, and I'm like, you know, I didn't listen to it back in the day, but mm-hmm. man, I love me some Johnny Cash. Life on the chain, yeah. Life on the Chain Gang is fantastic. Yeah, folks, yeah. if you haven't listened to that lately, like, get your favorite home device to play you some uh, Johnny Cash. Life on the Chain Gang, it's fantastic. Yeah, man. Lyrics. Yeah, good stuff. I hear that train coming. (laughs) It's rolling down the track. (laughs) Love that guy. Always wearing black, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Hello, my name is Johnny Cash. Yeah, you're you're doing uh, Folsom Folsom Prison Blues, which is fantastic. That's right. But Chain Gang, I love, like, you know, don't worry, Mama. They're teaching us a lot of good things in here. (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh man all right so what else we got man? We right, can talk man. About we're gonna go i'm gonna change this guy's name because i didn't use his last name but he was very careful to say don't use my name so i'll call him johnny from west texas <laughs> and uh he writes in about brown mountain lights and he says hey guys hello from west texas first i want to say mm-hmm. i love the show It keeps me going while I'm out running around here in the oil fields. Your jokes and references to old TV and movies, I'm right there with you, whether it's Monty (laughs) Python or the Munsters. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, I'm sending you this because I've never heard you mention the Brown Mountain Lights, which is right in your backyard, Kevin, in North Carolina. Um, And he says, it reminds me of the Marfa Lights here in West Texas. It's surprising that an international man of mystery such as yourself has not (laughs) talked about these. (laughs) So he says, the lore behind these lights goes back to Native Americans um, warning each other about them. This is just what I've heard. I hope you find Uh more than I have. Thanks for the great show. Uh, my condolences to you, Bill. And by the way, I don't have any video evidence of the hairy man being here in West Texas. I didn't see him, but I have found tracks and handprints. Uh. And he says, I'll try not to let the black eyed children use my phone <laughs> or a witch turn me into a new. And he writes, I got better. <laughs> Hey, Kev, you know, I have to backtrack for a minute because while we've been talking here, uh, I was trying to figure out kind of like what would my favorite Led Zeppelin song be. And uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always love the song The Battle of Evermore. Oh, it's a good one. 
and that was that wasn't one of them, you know, banging, drum pounding, hard guitar. Uh, that was uh, uh, Plant and uh, uh, Jim uh, Page sitting on the stage with his acoustic guitar on like a stack of pillows. Oh yeah, with like a mandolin too. Yeah, just plucking away that yeah. haunting melody, you know. And uh, man, what a song that was! Yeah, man. no, that was great. That was great. You know, but of course we all know they're heavy hitters. You know, Gallows Pole and you know all all of these you know driving yeah, songs. Black you know, Dog and, yeah. Black Dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just there's there was so many of them, but that Battle of Evermore. No, that's that's that, a good example, Bill, of how they like. You know, that's what I mean by changing their sound. You know, it's not even on the same album, on a similar album or same album, they'll go from one like hard driving and then into something like that. And I just I just love that. You know, it's fantastic. Remember the the immigrant song? Oh, yeah. That that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it would just like knock you out of your chair just coming out of the gate, you know? Uh, anyways, yeah, so there you have it. Well, what else? Anything left? That's it for tonight, Bill. Wow, fantastic. Well, it was a good podcast. I feel like it was more of a conversation amongst old friends tonight. That's good. Uh, and I like that guy chiming in about the music and stuff. And uh, I, I don't know. We were a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It was like a poo-poo platter in the Chinese restaurant. Oh, poo-poo platter. Oh, you like it. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm, I'm going to digress one more time. So I was talking about Led Zeppelin 1, and it's like, you know, I, I go up to Canada a lot. You know that, Bill, and some of our listeners know that by now. And I, they have a great rock station in Ottawa, Canada, old-fashioned rock station. You know, when I pick up the rental car up there, I turn it on, and uh, I remember... You know, before the pandemic, three or four years ago, I get there. It's like six o'clock at night. I turn on my favorite rock station and the DJ's like, put yourself here. It's 1969. Led Zeppelin (laughs) one. You just got it. You're 12 years old or whatever he said. He's like, you tear the cellophane off. You pull out the album. You drop it on your turntable and the needle hits it. And track one is good times bad times and, and he played it and like that song now that's a hard driving song but when you listen to that you know you're like wow that was 1969 yeah you know their first album holy yeah. cow yeah incredible yeah. right really incredible well yeah fantastic show kev uh good research into the pterosaur uh if anybody else out there has anything to add to the show, definitely contact us, okay? And remember, you should find yourself berry-picking on the shores of the Elk River. You better remember one thing, my friend. Always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight. <laughs>